you don't have to look a certain way or act a certain way or come from a certain family or fit into a certain mold to be able to do whatever you want to do in life. Don't let your personal style or preconceptions of who can be a lawyer keep you from going out and making your impact on the world. We don't need to sell our souls. We don't need to be unhappy. We don't need to make next to nothing and make our bosses all this much money and sacrifice our family life. We don't need to go to a brick and mortar anymore. I want people to be accessible and happy. In 2021, women made up over half of all summer associates for the fourth year in a row. Yet equity partners and multi-tier law firms continue to be disproportionately white men. Only 22% of equity partners are women. We would like to see that change. Hello, and welcome to Lawher, the show where we celebrate the trailblazing attorneys and entrepreneurs who are changing the game for women in the legal field. Be inspired by their stories, learn from their mistakes, build community, and look forward to the future they're helping build for the next generation of women in law. I am Sonia Palmer, your host and VP of Operations at Rankings, the digital agency of choice for personal injury lawyers. This is Lawher. At every single turn, Kathleen Martinez has been underestimated, put in a box. Because of her appearance, male peers cut her down. Just given administrative work at a firm, even after passing the bar, told never to market on social and appear a very specific way if she wanted to be taken seriously. But she is not defined by the expectations of others. She transferred to an all-girls school, went to law school, passed the bar, outperformed her male colleagues, started her own firm, took her old firm's clients with her. She has a TikTok account that is nearly 900,000 followers strong, doesn't spend a dime on marketing. Kathleen subverts the stereotypes of who can be a lawyer, and she does it clad in all pink. Let's dive in. So right out of law school, I joined this firm and it was smaller and granted it was in, you know, central Texas and I I was coming from California. So I kind of knew what I was getting into that, but again, (laughs) it was 2017. So I was like, maybe we've evolved. (laughs) So maybe, yeah, I I joined this firm and I, I hadn't passed the bar yet. So it was like, you know, I was a law clerk and I was waiting on my bar results and my manager was someone who had taken the bar five different times, like the maximum amount of times that you can in Texas. And he was really kind to me at first, but I kind of got the the feeling that he was attracted to me and he was flirty and he really wasn't like asking me questions that entailed to my job ever or my ability to help him in the practice. And the minute I passed the bar, he was just shocked. And he straight up told me, I didn't think you would pass. <laughs> I was like, and I figured he would say that because that's just, I mean, because it took him five times. So he had already put me in a box as dumb. So there's no way I was going to pass on the first time. So when I did, you know, the way he treated me was beyond, absolutely. So I realized after I passed the bar, my my duties didn't change. He was giving me law clerk duties, but not even law clerk duties. He had reduced my duties to some like purely clerical. And the way he treated me was horrible. And the more I pushed the more he was getting like um, anxious about it. So he would, you know, make up stories to the owner of the company about how I was difficult, how I was too emotional, how I was too competitive, I was aggressive. But I, and then I straight up just went to the owner of the company and went, look, you're paying me good money. And the, you know, I'm not doing the work because <laughs> your manager won't let me do it. But at the end of the day, this manager and him had been working together for like 10 years. So there was no way he was going to take my word over it. So finally, I, I basically get fired. The manager puts me in a room and he's like, we've decided you don't fit in and you're just too aggressive. And obviously you're not 
okay with the company culture. I was like, well, I just wanted to do more work for what I was getting paid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was like, I mean, if you want to continue to pay me good money to do nothing, that's fine. But I'm like, I could really, you know, put, contribute some value to this company. And so after I got fired, I realized like all the comments that he made, I kind of thought about it. I was like, it was about how I dressed. It was about my my gender for sure. It was about, you know, the fact that I was too progressive for this firm. And I definitely felt like I didn't fit in and I was made to fit in a certain mold if I was to be, you know, taken seriously if, if I was ever to be promoted in that firm. And, and the anxiety it made me feel and the confidence that I lost because I didn't fit into the mold that they thought I would need to fit in. At some point, I was just like, I do not care. Like, there's no way that I should be able to live my life this way. You know, I should be able to practice law well and do well in my career and be taken seriously, despite however I look or however I choose to appear in court. (laughs) So then I was like, it was really went down to me being a woman. And my husband and I figured that out. He was like, you know, he was not okay with you being a woman and being smarter than him. There's just no way. And so when I started my own firm, I didn't intentionally try to brand it in this way that was so feminist in nature. But that's how it turned out because I was like, I like the color pink. So I didn't even think about it. I designed my firm with the color pink. And then when we got viral on TikTok, I'm like, okay, now it's there's almost this movement among legal professionals now, which is great. (laughs) I've heard so many similar things from other women. I've experienced it myself in like past employers where the way that uh, uh, typically a man in authority treats you can significantly change the moment they feel threatened by you. So the moment that you passed the bar, you know, in one time and it took them five, now you're a threat. And now these things that didn't matter or weren't a problem are a huge problem, you know, and it's, it's very sad. Yeah. And the funniest part was like, if, if I was the owner of the company and I was paying someone good money to do nothing, I would be livid. <laughs> I would be like, yeah, give her more work. But it, it wasn't about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then you obviously, you took that, you went out on your own. Do you think there is a proper way for it to be addressed um, while working in the same firm? Is there a way to address this? I feel like there should be, but I wasn't successful at it. But I worked with firms with only male partners, male, you know, all males. I was always the only female attorney in the firm. So it might have been different. But then I did have an internship working for a female attorney before I graduated, which is relevant to this because I remember she was just such a pit bull in court. She was like almost too much. You know, she was really like making up for something. And she was extra hard on me. And she was like, I grew up. And I went to SMU, you know, in the 60s, and I was one of very few women. And I had to be like this to be taken seriously. So, so do you. And I was like, it shouldn't be like that, you know? So she she wanted me to be one of the boys because that's how she survived. And I don't blame her. But when I tried it in a soft way, when I tried communicating with my boss and telling him like, look, you're paying me good money. Let me work harder. Let me show you my value and how much I can contribute to this law firm. I mean, it just didn't work out because of politics. So I feel like if it doesn't work out with whoever you're working with and they cannot, you know, accept your communication and work for someone else, there's got to be a different place for you. I mean, and that's what I've been trying to do with my own law firm. Like I very much work alongside my paralegals and if anything, I work for them. (laughs) Like, you know, they're, I, I really value their ideas and their criticism of me and the way I manage the firm. And for that reason, we've gotten better, but a lot of it has to do with ego insecurity and whether you're threatened by people who are smarter than you. (laughs) 
hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And then the the video goes on, the story goes on to say that you stole your former employees' clients. How did you manage that? Oh yeah. And I mean, and it was kind of a joke because I didn't actually steal them. But once I left, the funny part is like, you know, I could like clients liked me because I I wasn't like my manager or my law firm owner. I was approachable. I wasn't stiff. I wasn't conservative. I related to them on a personal level. I didn't I didn't make myself seem like better than them because I was an attorney. And the clients like that. You know, it's funny because practicing law is all about your clients, right? But like the the legal field in general is not relatable at all. <laughs> and so my clients came with me because they're like, I don't even know your boss. I've never spoken to him. I've only ever worked with you. So I was like, well, you can make that decision. Legally, I can't solicit you, but you got to make it on your own. And they all left. And it just made my boss even more livid. I mean, he tried to come after me for it, but I'm like, you can ask them themselves. You know, they followed me because you've never once spoken to them. They don't even know yes. who you are. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's fairly easy. Yes. And then backing up before all of this, what got you interested in law in the first place? When I was in college, I was like most people completely lost on what to study. And I had, I was just kind of like bouncing between majors. And I thankfully had a career counselor who was a big attorney in DC back in the day. And she was now a professor. And she told me, she was like, you know, I kind of run moot court and mock trial and I want you to try it because I think you'd have fun. And I ended up having so much fun. I was like, mock trial is so cool. I didn't have the confidence back then because I didn't get the grades. I didn't know that it was something that I should do because again, I had men put me in boxes all throughout high school and college because I looked a certain way because it's part of a sorority because I cared about my appearance, you know? And so I, I didn't have that confidence. I was like, wait, I could go to law school. And she straight up told me, she goes, I, I can see you as a lawyer. And I'm like, my grades aren't there. And she goes, they'll get there. And then she puts me in mock trial. She puts me in moot court. And I just absolutely love the competitive aspect of academics. Like it makes it so much more fun. You know, it's, you're not just studying for an exam anymore. And I went to an all girls college, which was really, really helpful. So our whole team, they were all women. We were very uplifting of each other. I mean, there was just no limits that we put on each other. And that just made the biggest difference, I think. That's an excellent point because I do think that sometimes law school can be very competitive, like in, in not a good way. No. So to have an all female, like that competition could be used in a great way. I started out at a state school with men and then I transferred to this all girls school. And that's when I realized I'm like, maybe I am smart enough to do this. You know, maybe I don't have to just be fitted into a certain career because of the way I looked and because of how 18 year old guys have decided what I should be doing with my life. You know, when you're going to school among all women, there's zero limits on you, which is really cool. And then how did you decide on immigration law? I fell into family law after I took the bar because it was like the first job I could get with zero experience. And family law was interesting. It was difficult. But simultaneously, my clients always, they, they loved me and they wanted me to do immigration for them as well as family law. I didn't know much, but I did have a friend who knew how to do it. So he kind of mentored me on the side and I kind of learned it myself. And that's when I was like, you know, I'll start doing immigration for you. And I love that area of law a lot more than family law because it's what I call like, I'm a happy lawyer because I make people happy. <laughs> I'm like, because I get you green cards versus when I was a family lawyer, people didn't want to pay me to divorce them. You know what I mean? I mean they weren't happy <laughs> yeah. with me. Yes. And I wore their stress all the time. And I felt like I was part of the family in not a good way. You know, they didn't, they didn't want to see me. <laughs> um, so now that I'm, you know, happy and I, and I was like, it's really the clientele that I fell in love with because they were such grateful, hardworking, humble people versus my family law clients, which, you know, weren't always the happiest people. So it was really the clientele that I fell in love with. And then I was like, all right, I really like this. It's really interesting. It's something that I could definitely see myself doing full time. 
Kathleen experienced sexism firsthand, but with the internet providing much needed transparency, she remains optimistic about the path forward. evolved so much more of like generation z than my generation i'm really seeing like cancel culture is bad and good but it's also putting people like in place like google reviews are putting people in place like now we have to be better because we're having more accountability on the internet which i think in general is a good thing and i think there's going to be more all like female firms female leaders who are not like my old female boss who think that they have to be a certain way to be fit in and to be taken seriously. There's so many more female lawyers that I think with the internet and with social media, we're expanding the concept of what it is to practice law. I've had so many female lawyers reach out to me and just be like, you know, I want to start a law firm like this. I felt this way too. You know, I've been treated this way. I'm sick of like having to act a certain way to be taken seriously. Now I, you did it. So now I want to do it. Do you think the problem goes deeper than just what we choose to wear our appearance? It really wasn't about what I was wearing. It was the fact that I was not giving a crap about what I was wearing and doing better than my male counterparts. And they couldn't handle it, (laughs) you know? And the only negative comments I get on my social media are from like white males who are just absolutely overstimulated and triggered by the fact that I can look a certain way and do better than them. You know what I mean? And so I think it comes down to people being raised a certain way to think that like I have to be in a box to be doing well, to be taken seriously, so do you. And it's just like insecurity and projecting onto women. And But I think that's getting better over time as people grow. But at the end of the day, it's like how you grew up, who raised you, and whether you're willing to open your mind. A lot of times when you have comments or ideas like that, it's a very narrow worldview. Like this is how I grew up. This is how it was in my town, in my circle. Therefore, that's how the entire world operates. No. Right. Not <laughs> yeah, at all. No, not at all. <laughs> and the internet is exposing that. Yeah. And then as a society, we have this idea that lawyers are buttoned up, boring, mean sometimes, zero sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, it's not always a pretty picture. <laughs> not at all. And I talked with Reb Maisel um, earlier this year about the importance of representation for women on social media. Mm-hmm. How do you think like your existence changes the way we think of lawyers or who can be a lawyer. I've told my story how I, you know, was I wasn't taken seriously. I wasn't treated well because of the way I looked. And now I'm doing so much better. And now I'm so much more successful almost because of the way I look. So, I mean, I think, I think it's teaching people on social media that we're changing the, the meaning of what a lawyer is and how you should look like to be taken seriously or to become a lawyer. So I think it'll encourage a lot more people maybe to apply to law school, hopefully. I think it absolutely will. I think that um, a presence, a story like yours on a platform like TikTok in front of an audience that large will absolutely influence who decides to go to law school. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping. <laughs> yes, yes. And then it takes a ton of courage to stand up to male peers and make a stand like you did. When was sort of enough enough you were going to open your own firm? Yeah, um, I think it was in the pandemic, like right after I got fired, actually. Um, and I kind of knew how to do immigration. And it was my husband who was like, you know, you can do it virtually. You don't have to start at like a brick and mortar. It's about finances too, because immigration is federal. So I can help people in all 50 states. And um, it's really just like a lot of applications that you mail out. I wasn't doing a lot of like court work. So I was like, 
I can do this. And I just had a kid. I was a stay at home mom, like from home. I don't have to spend money. I can just do like applications for people online and I can, you know, reach out to them through social media. It was probably because of the pandemic and like finances in my life in general that led me to immigration. Um, but now it's really attracted my employees who are mostly stay at home moms or students who have a lot to do and they can't afford to just go to a brick and mortar from nine to five. So it's attracting people to work for me. And obviously we're attracting clients through TikTok. That's like the fastest way to reach people. So I'm really in the right area of law for like how I want to practice. Yes, I I have heard this before, like other success stories of female lawyers who decided to strike out during the pandemic. Brave choice. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it is because of what you just said, people want to be able to hire and retain a lawyer the same way they order clothes online. <laughs> um, right. That easy, accessible. They don't want to have to go into an office at a scheduled appointment time, you know? So right. that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Is this person a mom? Can they afford to skip work? Can they afford to skip school to find a babysitter to come see you? Like, why are we making it so inconvenient for them to hire a lawyer? Like, we want to be accessible. Kathleen has leaned into the Elwood's Legally Blonde vibe. Her branding is extremely polished. More than a color, the all pink marketing sends a clear signal. I originally designed my website myself, which I regret. <laughs> but when I did it, I had pink as just like an accent color because I'm like, I love pink. I want it in there. But then I was still in that mindset where I was like, I don't want it to be too pink. I want to be taken seriously. And then it was time to create our first billboard. And my husband's like, you should make it all pink. I'm like, why? And then he goes, because <laughs> people are going to know you. You know, They're going to see that billboard and they're going to stop and find that number. Like They're going to associate you and differentiate you. You're going to stand out among all immigration lawyers with a billboard here in Texas. So like I did it. We did really well. And then I was like, screw it. You know, and it's funny because all my employees, they love pink and they love that. I, I didn't know this, that, you know, they had done all their offices in pink as well. They kept asking me for pink computers, for pink clothing, for pink pens. <laughs> like, wait, you guys like it too? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, screw it. Like, let's make our whole brand pink. And then everyone starts, I see people on TikTok referring to clients to me as like the pink immigration lawyer, because that's, <laughs> that makes me notable. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I think like it was just a small idea because I just personally like the color, but now it's really helped us um, brand and, and build clientele. You are right. It's very recognizable. And if you can kind of attach yourself to a color, uh, that's very, that's, that's very smart. It will help grow your firm very quickly. It's very smart. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> and then is there something you want your brand to convey to not just potential clients, but to other female attorneys or I guess women in general who might be interested in a career in law? Is there something you're trying to say? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think I'm trying to tell women in general that... Um, you you can you don't have to fit you don't have to look a certain way or act a certain way or come from a certain family or fit into a certain mold to be able to do whatever you want to do in life. I jumped out of that stereotype and I created I, I I just my whole point is that I don't want to be in a stereotype or maybe I'm in the wrong stereotype but I'm attaching it to a different definition of what they think is smart or not smart. Subverting it. Yeah, I'm kind of subverting it. So I'm uh, with this, the way I look is that people traditionally would think like, you're not smart, but now I'm attaching it to being smart and successful, creating my own firm and really like 
you know, killing the competition with the way I look is so like ironic to people that like, I think I'm trying to send the message that you can look at however you want. There's no stereotypes. Like don't be afraid of stereotypes. Don't limit yourself to how you look or how you should look if you want to be taken seriously or practice law. I mean, I'm hoping to see a lot more lawyers practice law however the hell they want. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm, I, I want big law to be abolished in my opinion. I'm like, I'm tired of it. Like we, we don't need to sell our souls. We don't need to be unhappy. We don't need to make next to nothing and make our bosses all this much money and sacrifice our family life. We don't need to go to a brick and mortar anymore. I want people to be accessible and happy because you can be happy and practice law. It's just not a lot of people know that. <laughs> it's not just about not fitting into the stereotype, but then abolishing it. Yeah. So forcing people to reimagine what they think that stereotype even is, you know? Right. Um, like you said, the pink, blonde, super smart, super intelligent, gonna win for you. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's funny because I started with Elle Woods and that's why people are like, the fact that we're still talking to this is crazy because like Elle Woods is really the only time that that's ever happened. Legally Bond, that was 20 years ago. And people just loved it because they're like, oh my God, like lawyers who are girly and do well, I love this. It was the first step in that direction. And the fact that I'm only the second person to make that step, you know, I'm, I'm hoping everybody else will start following in that. Yes. So you mentioned that you had tried to do your website on your own for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and regretted it. Don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> what were some other stumbling blocks that you kind of ran into in starting your own firm? And then if you had to do it all over again, what would you do different? Would you do it the same? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I do mentor a lot of lawyers who want to start their own firms. I always learn by my mistakes because I, the way I started is one, creating my own website. Don't do that. Spend the money, have someone else do it for you. It took me months. Um, and two, no, if you're not that experienced, hiring an extremely experienced paralegal was really important to me. So I spent my entire savings on her salary for the first year. Um, and she brought me business because she was able to really like grow our firm while I was busy marketing and setting up the firm. That was really important. And software, spending the money on software as fast as you can, because we're an entirely virtual firm. So I think we have 10 different software programs that we use for like our cloud-based filing system down to like how we file cases, how we communicate with clients, how we schedule and calendar and communicate. Um, I wish I would have just started with all that software. I went on to it a little bit too late. Obviously, a great CPA is like number one. <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was cheap about it at first, and I had bad CPAs, and then I found a really good one who's basically running my firm for me financially. So that was really great. the The fastest way I made my firm so efficient is keeping everything online. So we're entirely virtual. We don't have any physical filings. You know, we don't have paperwork. We don't deal with anything physically. Everything's virtual. So and we're able to practice law faster. We're able to take in a lot more clients and they're, we're able to shoot them out even faster, you know? And so I think that's super important as, and it's, as well as obviously utilizing social media for marketing. That is so important. You know, as an associate, I was trained not to advertise. Traditionally, that's looked down upon. You don't want to be like an ambulance chaser, you know? I mean, like personal injury attorneys here in Texas. But the problem is with their cheesy ads, they're killing it. <laughs> they do really well. Killing it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Clients buy into that. Like, I was trained by attorneys who were like, word of mouth is the best way. You want to be word of mouth. But I was like, okay, or I could get more clients by just directly communicating with them through social media. Everyone's on TikTok. The algorithm is incredible. You can reach 10 million people in a day. There's 10 million clients in a day. You know what I mean? Like, why would you refer on word of mouth just because it's cool? So I think like breaking the barriers in terms of advertising is super important as well. 
Absolutely. And I think that you can rely on word of mouth or even referrals, but you can't grow a firm that way. You know, no. when you want to grow and start taking on more clients, hiring staff, you have to, you have to do marketing. You have to, you have to. In law school, we're not really like educated on really how to be a lawyer at all, but like really how to start a, own a business. You have, I have no idea how to own a business. My parents are not interpreters. You know, I, I had no, I didn't have a clue. I never take a marketing class in my life, but now I'm really into marketing. And, but that's but because marketing is different now than it was like even five years ago. It's not about paying companies to do Google ads for you anymore. It's about utilizing your own social media and becoming an influencer. So I've actually hired paralegals who are also influencers and that's how we market. So I'm, I'm only one of like five influencers for my firm. So that way we're always on social media. We're always reaching people and we're, we are, we aren't spending a dime on marketing, which is really great. Where some of the other platforms were failing at is that TikTok welcomes the authenticity to me. Um, you know, they want things that are less polished, that are less scripted. Yes. Relatable. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. They want that relatability. And so it makes it makes sense if that's the type of marketing, like if you're an authentic person and you just want to let people know who you are, it's a perfect platform for that. Yeah, it's funny because you you I see lawyers because I mentor a lot of lawyers who want to grow on social media and and I see they're they're starting TikTok videos and they're sitting at a desk with their arms closed and they're talking very professionally. And I'm like, Generation Z does not care for that. Like we don't have the attention span to listen to your lecture, you know, about like what is a green card and how to get it. Like you need to be engaging. You need to be funny. You need to be not professional. And I think that's the biggest barrier that lawyers have a really hard time because they're like, I want to be taken seriously. I'm like, your clients don't care. <laughs> you know, they're on TikTok. They just want to know how to get a green card. Like you think you can put yourself in them shoes. Like all they want to see is information that benefits them. They're not judging you. They're like, she knows how to give me a green card. Okay, I'm going to call her. Like, I don't really care how she portrays that information. And so TikTok's so much better than like Instagram and, and Facebook and LinkedIn. Like those platforms are kind of dying because it's, they're not relatable. <laughs> I'm looking at the staff page for Martina's Law. You might have to update some, update me here. You've got eight paralegals, two legal assistants, a content creator, two firm managers. Mm-hmm. That is correct. <laughs> So clearly you understand uh, where you are and where you want to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we're only expanding and it's, it's stressful because we're always having to retrain people, but people love working for us because they love working for home. So we just set them up. They're, they're contractors. They're working at home. We get them like an iMac and an iPhone. They can work around their own schedule and they love it. And I think they love not having someone micromanage them from an office. <laughs> what are your sort of thoughts and opinions around delegation? It was challenging at the beginning because I wasn't really there to like micromanage everything, but we've come up with a system where we have like three different forms of review. I have two firm managers review everything and then I review it and then we send it to the client. Um, but everything gets uploaded to the drive and we're constantly looking at documents. We're constantly have like six pairs of eyes looking at every case online. So it's not like, you know, a brick and mortar when a paralegal just has a piece of paper that they're looking at. I maybe look yep. at it and miss something. It's constantly online. So I think it, it serves for better review. Um, and I'm, I also hire extremely experienced paralegals, like extremely. I mean, these people have like 10 years of experience. So I've actually learned a lot from them. They have much more experience than I do. So I think online, it's, it's tricky at first, especially if you have trust issues and you want to micromanage. But having everything on a cloud-based system and software actually makes it easier for us to review and communicate, I think. Yeah, super efficient. I love it. 
And then you are very busy. (laughs) What do you do in, how do you decompress? How do you relax? Do you have any rituals or routines? Definitely work hard, play hard. (laughs) Like my hobbies are like going out and eating and drinking with my husband and socializing and, you know, traveling. I mean, I'm not like climbing mountains or, you know, like knitting, you know, I'm, I think I'm more relatable to my clients <laughs> in that way is that like, <laughs> I like to play and I've done that since law school. So I'm not someone who likes to stay in. Um, but at the, at the same time, my husband and I are addicted to television. So we love getting like everybody else, like I'm watching Yellowstone, like every single night in White Lotus. And so I love to live my life through like others on television. So (laughs) I don't think I'm very well balanced, to be honest. But like, I think I have the personality where I can handle it. And and I'm fine working all the time, because it's mine. And to me, it's not a tour, because it's my business. And I love marketing. And it's like a hobby for me. And so my firm, like I enjoy it, I never feel burned out, which is nice. I guess I don't need that much balance. And some people do, but I don't, luckily. (laughs) <laughs> to me, it's always been like integration. I know when I, I need to take a break, you know, but when people ask me my hobby. I often tell them I like to sit on patios. Like that's tip. I like to go to a restaurant. I like to get a beer or a coffee. Like, yes, that's my hobby. <laughs> me too. That's how I de-stress. Yeah. So that's usually so you're just, let's go out. Yeah. Like uh, I literally just want to go out and like eat and drink with my husband and just sit there. <laughs> you know, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Go to a new restaurant. That's, that's how I de-stress. <laughs> I think that's how most of us decompress, but people aren't honest about it. You know, like, it's so funny. Like, yeah, I, do, I don't think it dawns on them. Yeah. I was telling Tamron Hall on the Tamron Hall show. She's like, what are your hobbies? I'm like eating, drinking, watching TV. <laughs> like most people. I'm an American. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm an American. I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. It's so funny that you mentioned Yellowstone and I can't watch Yellowstone. It stresses me out too much. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. I know. It stresses me out too. (laughs) Um, And I just started White Lotus. Oh my God. So I watched the first three episodes last night. (laughs) It is so good. Jennifer Coolidge is on another level. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Um, And then I got one more for you. If you weren't a lawyer, what would you do instead? Um, I'd probably just be some kind of influencer, I'm assuming. <laughs> like maybe, maybe in marketing, you know, because it's so funny because my firm makes fun of me. They're like, you're the influencer and we do all the work. I'm like, 100%. <laughs> so maybe I would influence for a different company, but I'm probably doing the exact same thing if it's not a law firm. <laughs> Go where you feel supported and encouraged to be your best self. Kathleen gained the confidence she needed to pursue a career in law once she transferred to an all-girls school where she was nurtured. And when she saw that the seat she was given was not at the table, but in the corner, she built her own, inviting other women to come with her. There is always a path forward. Together, we can get there. Her success serves as a reminder that there is no background or image that you need to have in order to fight for your clients and win. A huge thank you to Kathleen for sharing her story and unbelievable insights with us today. You have been listening to Law Her with me, Sonia Palmer. If you found this content insightful, inspiring, or just made you smile, please share this episode with a trailblazer in your life. For more about Kathleen, check out our show notes. And while you're there, please leave us a review or a five-star rating. It really goes a long way for others to discover the show. And I will see you next week on Law Her, where we'll shed light on how another of the brightest and boldest women in the legal industry climbed to the top of her field. Her.